Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to All Worth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Pat McLean, thanks for being with us. That's right. Hope everyone had a great week, great fourth, all those other things. We've got a great program lined up for you today. Or As so we believe. Well, we enjoy one another when we're in the studio <laughs> having conversations <laughs> about financial matters. Yeah, I don't see you as much as I used to. When we're a small little company, we worked in an office right next door all day long. Oh, another day in the salt mine. Anyway, we are fin- we are a financial uh, organization. We talk about finances. This is a financial program, and um, we'll, we take we'll, your we'll calls, take some calls, and, and we've got to answer questions about taxes, four hundred one ks, IRAs, insurance. I had an interesting meeting this week with. Um, we've got a all worth. We're about our organizations about four hundred associates across the U.S. We've got one hundred and thirty or forty advisors, something like that, and. We have a program where we have an in, and actually quite proud of the program we've built over the years because we have interns that come in from universities. We typically will have a rising senior. So between their junior and senior year, they'll be with us for the summer. If we like them, they tend to, if it works for them, we'll have them up as kind of a part-time internship. Well, in their and senior frankly, year. I mean, we invest a lot. We invest a lot in these young people and um, realizing from selfishly, like we're going to find some great, talent in there to join us afterwards. And then we have got, a, it's about a five-year career path for people to go on to become a financial advisor. We've built some great advisors over the years. Um, we've been doing this a long, long time. So anyway, a, a brand new intern, and I'm getting to a point of the story here. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> not, not just talking about our company. But anyway, a brand new intern uh, reached out to me and said, hey, can I meet with you for 20 minutes or whatever? So last week I sat down in my office with him. We had a conversation and uh, young, energetic, a lot of, and first of all, I thought, Takes takes some pretty big guts to your first first couple of weeks to reach out to the CEO for co CEOs to reach out to the CEO and say, hey, can I meet with you for a bit? And by the way, he asked if you think it would be right to reach out to Pat. And I'm like, of course, Pat would love to talk to you. Anyway, so um, he, he he says to me, why did you like? He's trying to look at his career paths. Like, I think this is a perfect career for me. Like, what? Why did you choose this career path? So it got me really thinking about the whole area of financial planning. And I said, it's the, really the combination of the financial markets, which I find fascinating, mathematics, which have always come easy for me. I'm not good at a lot of other things. Uh, and the human, the human element, the interactions with, with people, um, the guidance of people, kind of the whole psychology behind money management and budgeting and investing. I said, it's fascinating. And I said, what I've really enjoyed about it is the combination of the individuals working with these individuals and families and figuring out we all have our own wiring, our own strengths and weaknesses and temptations, fears, and it's putting the right kind of plan together for the, for the right individual that's going to work for them and then guiding them through as life happens. Yes. Whether it's something happens internally, to the death in the family or whatever, or... Which, which causes oftentimes financial... Well, financial crisis, but emotional reactions to your financial situation, be it warranted or not warranted. Yeah, or the external things that happen. That's right. And anyway, so we had this conversation, and then when I left, I thought, I really am fortunate. This is a really an interesting... It, to your point, Pat, on how something... I remember years ago, I had a, a client um, 
she'd been a client, my personal client for a number of years, and um, her spouse had a terminal cancer diagnosis. And they were a couple years away from retirement. Maybe he had just retired and she had planned to retire in a couple years. And obviously devastating, right? Totally devastating. And so, you know, obviously she was emotional and came in and had a conversation with me and trying to like kind of figure things out. And then she's always one that's a little bit worried about the economy to begin with. She had her own business, worried about the And so with this conversation, when I said, I said, you're worried. I said, you're worried about the markets. Yeah. And she was planning on taking some time off work to care for her husband. I said, you're worried about the markets. I said, why don't we just get out of the markets and sit in cash, sit in just treasury bills or CDs or whatever. For for how long? And she says, well, what happens? I'm like, I said, we're talking like, we don't, it's, this is this current chapter in front of you. You are, you've got all these fears. You had this retire. you had this future dream in your mind and it's now shattered and you have no idea what that is going to look like. And you're not going to know until this chapter, we, however long this chapter is going to be. That's right. So we, we stuck in cash over that period of time. Something that. Her had husband, no volatility. Her husband passed away, unfortunately. Um, very devastating. After that, as time, the time went on, we slowly got back into building a portfolio. She ended up meeting a new partner and bright future again, a very different future, but and started having some more clarity on what her future could be. And then her financial plan is very different today than what it was several years ago. But... Uh, th- the the idea of financial planning is that it is based on the person, right? And right? we're all. That's why it's like it's all, never use the word never use the word always or never, right? Well, it's like and we get it all the time in this industry. Hey, where should I invest my money right now? How would I know? <laughs> Look, it's I, I don't know anything about the, you. I don't have a crystal ball. I can't tell you what's going to perform well but, the next twelve. But months. I don't know anything about the person. Right, and so maybe I just gave an extreme example. That's right. But we have all these smaller things like that that occur in our life on a regular basis, and those things can dictate our portfolio. Our portfolio construction is not just someone thinking, well, what do I think is going to happen in the next five years? Yeah, and portfolio construction is based on if you are in a relationship with someone, it is based on both your opinions. Oh, 100%. Both your opinions, <laughs> not the loudest opinion, well, not bad. the loudest opinion, but both your opinions. How many times have you seen someone come and hire a financial advisor because of their spouse? Oh, 15, <laughs> 20% of the time. Yep. And it's typically they get closer to retirement. One of the two couples is, is managing and they get the other one's like, I know you've gotten us to this far, but like, we can't really afford to make a mistake. Scott, I had a couple, um, that hired us for exactly, they were tech execs. Um, and uh, he played in this tech and she made him, she made him um, come and visit with us. And I managed 80% of the money and let him mess around with his 20% on the side. Just to, and I'm like, you'll be fine with this 80% to 20%. She passed away about six years later. He went exactly back to what he was doing before. Really? exactly what he was doing before. And we're like, it's a crapshoot then. I'm like, you've got to leave us. I mean, one of the things we look at is statistical probabilities of outcome. Right. We focus a lot on that. And all of our financial planning, all kind of confidence levels, right? And standard deviations, all that sort of stuff to get deep into it. But it's, and, and for most people, they get to a stage in their life, nearing re- the retirement age, whether they plan on retiring or not. And like their concern at this point now is, I've amassed 
enough for certain lifestyle, I want to in- have the highest degree of probability that I can ensure this, I can maintain this lifestyle the rest of my That's life. That's right. Right? That's, what That's right. The vast majority of people. And so when you move from like this broadly diversified portfolio into this, I'm going to pick whatever tech stops. It's a. They weren't point, just tech stocks. They were tech stocks you've never heard of. So anyway, yeah. and who knows he's, how he's done? Maybe he's done well. Maybe he uh, hasn't. Maybe he hasn't. But we couldn't manage that portfolio. It wasn't comfortable. All right, uh, we'll love to take some calls. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, to join us, eight three three ninety nine worth is the number. Eight three three ninety nine worth. By the way, we're going to later in the program. We're going to have um, Brian James, who's um, one of our regional advisors, who. Um, Talking about individual securities and just what we were discussing here. In your role in or not in your portfolio. But let's now um, go to Illinois and talk with Bruno. Bruno, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Yeah. I have a 403B plan worth about $480,000. Plus, I just started collecting Social Security this year, and I'm getting about 1539 a month. And I have about $42,000 in my bank accounts. And I'm wondering uh, the best strategy to go forward on uh, looking forward to my retirement. How how old are you? I am, I'll be 67 in September. And when did you quit working? He didn't. Uh, about or, 2021. Oh, you have retired then? Yeah. And what what do you, what are you doing as, uh, well, what was what was your income prior to retirement? Um, maybe about forty thousand. Okay, and what are you living on now? I'm living on those fifteen hundred dollars, fifteen thirty nine from Social Security and from my bank account. But uh, I have very cheap rent, very low market rent. That's why I get through. I mean, I pay very little. And are you in a, is your rent in such a way that you've got some guarantees it's not going to increase? There are no guarantees. The building could be sold in a month, half a year. There are no guarantees. Okay, but do you have rent control where you are today? No, it's not rent control. And how much under market are you paying in rent? (laughs) Okay. um, (laughs) Well, I'm in Chicago, Albany Park. I'm paying... Close to four hundred dollars a month uh, for yeah, studio. That's... Studios must be approaching a thousand dollars. Okay, nine hundred. And why? Why do you have this abnormally low monthly rent relative to the marketplace? I do not understand. The owner <laughs> okay. who passed away, his son took over the building. Um, How long ago? Yeah, he just, he, I don't know why, uh, but he's, How, he's, he had other buildings that he sold off, but I guess he couldn't sell this building How off. How long ago did the owner uh, pass away? Oh, that was, would have been late last year. Okay. Okay. So in, in kind of planning, um, I think that we should assume that at some point in time, we'll be paying a market rent. Oh yeah, I can assume that. That's sure. right. Okay. Yeah. That's that, that, that why that's why we were digging into that question because that is an unknown that you need to plan for that you're going to have to pay market rent right. at some point in time. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm aware of that. <laughs> and why did you retire when you did? Well, I was laid off because of COVID. Okay. 
and I never found a job after that. And what do you so think? I gave up. Do you would they hire you back? No. Okay. And when you said you're living off the fifteen thirty nine a month plus money from your bank account, how much money from your bank account every month? Well, I'm not well, very little of, of any. Okay. Okay. So what's your question for us? Well, going forward, I have a 403B plan I still haven't uh, done much with and uh, worth $480,000. Um, should I go into an annuity and then fund, mutual funds? Yeah, yeah. so let, in this in the, the portfolio, how is it allocated now? My 403B? Yes. Well, it's uh, about, I don't know, 80% stocks. And are you single, Mary, uh, Bruno? I'm single. And um, health-wise, do you think you have a normal life expectancy, a, a beyond, you know, you live longer I think than I average? Do. I, I think, I, you know, I have a slight case of COPD apparently, but it doesn't seem to be doing that much. So I think I'm pretty well, pretty good. All right. So here's what I think you should do. Your portfolio is probably a little heavy equity for you right now if it's 80% stock. Um. Mm. I would consider lowering that. Um, and who does the allocation on the portfolio for you? Is it well, you or someone else? Still, when I say 403B plan, it, I, it's still with the fidelity. Understand. The but yeah, some, someone makes the choices inside. They give you a menu of, of funds to choose from, and then you get to decide what funds to put in oh, the 403B. You know, I, haven't, I have never changed them. Okay. No. Okay. And I've never rebalanced. Okay. Either. You you need a financial advisor. Yeah. You and it, it, right. it it given your situation, it might make sense to take twenty percent of that four hundred three B and buy an immediate annuity. It may make sense. Okay. I mean, like, yeah, so I've met my and if you're a long-term listener, you're probably thinking, I, this might be the first time I've heard these guys recommend this. But there are um, most financial well, products. There's a time and place for it. I know, but it's fixed income, and I I feel I really have to uh, supplement that Social Security. Oh, understand, uh, understand. And what happens is it allows you to actually live through market cycles. And be a little more aggressive. You need a financial advisor. Oh, I know, I know. You need to hire one. I'm in the process of doing so. Okay, good. Because what the last thing you want to do is take this entire 403B and buy an immediate annuity. The last thing. Or, or an equity index annuity. Or, or even an annuity with um, a variable annuity inside of an IRA. But you, you need to understand what the allocations are. I even think, would you move to another area? Well, if I were to move, I, I would probably move back to Canada. Especially if I want to die somewhere. And what's in Canada for you? Friends and family. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You need a financial advisor. That is something that you and, should. And to look through, like if you, if you chose to move back, unfortunately we don't have a ton of time to sit and have a longer conversation, but the, but if you chose to move back to Canada, what would that mean financially? Maybe it'd be good for you. Maybe it wouldn't be good for you, but so you can look at all those different options and uh, you know, then maybe if there is some sort of work you can do up there to supplement some income for the next few years, that could certainly help you as well. Cause you're, pretty tight on as far that as the economics probably, are here. So that's right. Hey, Bruno, so much appreciate the call. 
Let's go to Texas and talk with Nick. Nick, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Well, I have a question um, I've been thinking about for, for a few years now. I've worked for mostly private companies, and recently, over the last three, four years, I've been getting equity and options. And yep. I have kind of a two-part question. First part being, how should I look at that equity and options in context with overall retirement? And then um, kind of second part is, like, should I think to diversify the rest of my investments, or should how I just like, kind of look at that as how old are you? Correlated back to the side. How old are you? Forty-seven. And how much money do you have in the money? In the money in these options or the equity that they have? And in the money means they have some value today. The, the value yeah. today, not what you hope they will be, but what's the value today between those two? So yeah, and one of the companies um, based on last like four nine a, it's about six hundred thousand. And then the other company and options, um, I would say based on value today would be um, north of a million. Tough okay. to peg exactly where. Got it. Got it. And the options, do you have the uh, do you have the ability to exercise those today? No, they're they're vesting. So as they vest, they can exercise them. But but all of it is um, non liquid. There's no option to sell any of it. No secondary market or anything. Okay. okay. And how much is uh, do you have outside of these in terms of investments? Um, about five hundred thousand in tax advantage and about. 400,000 in brokerage. So just under a million. And are these in the tech sector? The, the yeah. options and equity? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I like the way you're thinking. Um, I, I use the, I, I have equity and, and are these two different companies? They are. Yeah. Okay. So one is the previous, uh, one's previous a previous employer, employer. employer that you have the equity and I assume. Correct. Yeah. Restricted shares of a private company. Yep. Um, and there's I, no set, there's no secondary market for them. Because your restrictions, no, there's not. Yeah. Um, well, it's actually it's quite impressive that you know the answer to that. Quite frankly, um, I think about I I own part of Allworth, and uh, I have options in Allworth, and I think about it exactly uh, the way you think about it, which is how do these things mix into my overall uh, investable assets. Um, and then I build the rest of the portfolio around there. So you are highly concentrated in the tech sector, obviously. Um, you could do something in the in both of these uh, IRAs and the brokerage account to actually mitigate some of that risk, which is called direct indexing. And so um, it, it was rare and very expensive years ago to do direct indexing. Um, but what direct indexing does is you can mimic a underlying index, but exclude either yeah. companies or sectors. So we do it here at Allworth. And if you were sitting in our office, we'd look at this and we'd say, okay, you know, we're going to add this all up and it's uh, $2.5 million of which um, 40%. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's no, no. He's got $500,000 in an iris, got 400,000 yeah. brokerage, right? Yeah. And yep. $1.6 million in equity, right? So we're at $2.5 million. Scott was making a note there uh, to me. So it's $2.5 million. I would use direct indexing and exclude any tech stocks in that direct indexing. Yeah, and if not, there's probably an ETF you could use that excludes uh, tech. Yes. But when I think about the, like, on-track, off-track, should I be thinking of it as kind of the value? I mean, I know... 
obviously it's been very volatile recently and i think about like obviously the ability to sell at some point or, or get value out of it should i be thinking about saying hey i'm on track because i got two million plus here or should i be thinking of it as what do i have in my you know my normal no i think no well you i would certainly count these dollars towards your retirement planning most certainly okay. now if you you might want to I mean, I don't know how realistic the value is because it's just someone making up these. I shouldn't say making up. Right. They, they're supposed to take their best guess, right? And based on a number of factors that they use, and they'll come up with a valuation. Um, and it's it's it it theoretically should be a, a true market value, whether it is or not. It's, yeah, and what they they look right. at is a basket of other stocks and and what they traded for either non-public or publicly yeah. traded stocks. So. I would 100% figure that I, I mean, I wouldn't discount this and say it's only going to be like winning the lottery. If it, when it comes in the money, I no. would look at it at some point in time, there'll be a liquidity event and you will get that. So I would look at it as part of the portfolio at the current value. And then I would use direct indexing. I'm not aware of an ETF that actually excludes, I don't know, but I wouldn't be, but it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me that someone created a, a, um, a product to actually fix this uh, particular situation or, and, if you can't find an ETF that excludes tech, then you build a direct index of either the total market or the S&P 500. And let's, these are so esoteric that throwing them into all tech, because tech can be pretty broad in and of itself. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's... Salesforce is tech. It's very different than Meta. That's right. <laughs> Two very different types of companies. That's right. The business... One's a business solutions company. Yeah, one's... Uh, a social media company. Advertising, but you could build. But even in a direct index, you could actually build. You wouldn't have to exclude. You can your exclude point exactly. those companies that yes, that, that are similar industries. Yes, and that's how I would manage it. And you and I, I don't I don't know any firm out there that actually allows you to do direct indexing without the use of an advisor. I'm sure there is one out there. I don't know. Yeah, there probably is. You could probably do it yourself. Yeah, you could probably do it yourself. You could do anything yourself. Yeah. So it's so what you want to look at is direct indexing. And you would use the okay. the money in the IRA and the money in the brokerage account, and then figure out what well, sector. You said it. My guess, given given the savings he's got, he, he the complexity he has, he'd be well served by using the quality advisor. Um, but he could probably find that's right. A do it yourself, direct. Yes, indexing. yes, yes. But so the direct indexing is how you want to go and use an advisor or find it and do it yourself and just figure out what segment of the tech sector these companies represent, which you probably know. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate that. I have one other quick question. Sure. I'm curious to get your thoughts on um, 529 funds. I have a couple younger kids and have set those up. I know with the loans being um, forgiven and everything else, do you guys still think of those as like the right vehicle? 100%. For that? Yes. I, yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And, and, um, the loans being forgiven. Um, that's if your family qualifies for loans. That's right. Cause you get to right. a certain level and you can't, it's based on a parent's income and that's, that's right. That's right. So you, you, you've got to assume that you're, uh, and there's other expenses too. You've got to assume unless your children are some sort of phenomenal, um, sports figure, phenom, yeah. phenom <laughs> or music or something that, that you're going to end up paying full boat for well I, I think they are but I, <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah 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 you're right. gonna you're gonna scratch jacks actually my last appreciate my last, the call Nick. we wrote our last college 
I say that. We wrote our last call check as I'm talking about that. I'm, I just remembered my daughter's going to law school. <laughs> <laughs> so, And my uh, youngest, who's 12, just asked, just this morning says, hey, Dad, would it be okay if I didn't play competitive volleyball next year? Because because she's got has conflicts with, with she's got she's at track at school and there's other like theater theater stuff she likes to do that she hasn't been able to do because she's playing so I'm like well there goes my volleyball scholarship <laughs> no, I didn't know I didn't say that to her. she's twelve this volleyball what time of year does uh, volleyball play now it started <clears throat> see, I've got allergies it started volleyball started back in, uh, in the right around before December I believe but they have these these tournaments all over the place. Oh, so you travel. Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. Reno. You, yeah, you said you went people to come, one where thousands of people were in, in Vegas for. Uh, yeah. In Reno, all over. Yeah. I, 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 Vince Vaughn was there with his family. You know, it's it? funny when you run into like a star, somebody you've seen so much, you feel like you know them, but obviously you don't know them at all. Um, I'm like, I almost, hey, I know, I know this dude. I almost, and then I'm like, oh, he's a movie guy. Um, when my kids were younger, I just. I, I discouraged them from playing any sport that actually took place during the summer because I didn't want it to ruin my summer vacations. Well, this is during ski season. And I, I, I did tell her, I said, I said, actually, that would be fine with me. That means we can go skiing some more on the weekends. Oh, that's she nice. She said, okay, daddy. That's nice. Right. So there goes your volleyball scholarship. But there goes my volleyball scholarship. <laughs> <laughs> Take a quick break. Stick around for more Allworth's Money Matters. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen. And Pat McLean. Uh, we're gonna, before we go to the calls, Pat, uh, and we're going to talk to Brian James here in a moment. I'm going to talk a little bit about the, uh, an income tax that hits a lot of good savers and because it was never adjusted for inflation, every year it's impacting more and more people. So this is this was the tax, some refer to it as, as the Obamacare tax, um, but it's the net investment income tax, and it has to do with uh, a tax on investment income if your income exceeds a certain amount. It doesn't. It's not impacted about. Well, I shouldn't say it's not impacted. It doesn't. It's not a tax on your wages. It's not a tax on your IRA contributions. It's not a tax on your pensions. It's a tax on other investments you have. So interest you receive, dividends you receive, and it's, it can be, it's 3.8%. So it's not it's, a small tax. It's quite large. And the mere fact that it's not adjusted for inflation, you see this um, in taxes over the years and legislation that would actually make it, it starts with rich people and over the years, it becomes right. That's a tax right. on the middle class. Heard us talk about this, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, yeah. We did. We saw this with Social Security twenty years ago, yes. um, which they Social also, when they started taxing, they never impacted that for inflation. So 20, that's right. It was nineteen? No, it was thirty some years ago, Pat. When that when you Social Security, they decided to tax Social Security at certain income up levels, up to fifty percent of your income. And thirty years ago, it was uh, if you're single and twenty five thousand. Or married in thirty-two thousand, your provisional income, your social security is going to be getting taxable. That was thirty-some years ago, right? Never, uh, never adjusted. So for that inflation. twenty-five thousand would be worth like seventy-five thousand. That's today. right. Particularly because inflation was much higher when you go thirty. That was more than thirty years ago, right? Never so this adjusted is for inflation. So when they tax the rich, and they don't adjust for inflation, there you go. 
So this it this hits when your overall income, if you're single, two hundred thousand, or married, two hundred and fifty thousand. When your income exceeds that, you've got this net investment income tax, three point eight percent that is applied to it. And two thousand thirteen, when the first year that this was enacted, Obamacare. Can you believe it's been ten years since Obamacare? It was roughly 3 million uh, income tax returns were impacted by it. In 2021, over 7 million income tax returns. Okay, this is the creep. This is the middle class creep. If inflation runs at 3%, 20 years from now, in real dollar terms, that 250 is going to be worth 125. So, ballpark. This net investment income tax, when we talk about investment management we rarely talk about it without the context of tax because it's your after-tax return that you get to spend there's a silent partner always there and we can choose to some extent how much and when we pay our silent partner. or if ever because or if of ever. because of a step up in basis on death. On death. We're all going to die. Most of us aren't going to. We can't take it, this stuff with us. We're yeah. all going to leave something behind. Which always, again, always confuses. And if you don't have anything to leave behind, then you probably shouldn't be listening to this conversation because it's not going to make it. always up. confuses me how, why they allow that stuff up in basis. But with this, you, you think things such as, um, what do you hold? Do you hold bonds in a retirement account or do you hold bonds outside of a retirement account? Do you have dividend-producing stocks in a retirement account or outside the retirement account? Even if you want to rely upon income from money you have in, at, at, at retirement accounts, you, would you rather have that income produced inside the retirement account or outside? And then you, you also, well, then you start thinking about qualified dividends that are taxed at 15% or 20%, depending uh, as opposed to ordinary income taxes inside of an IRA. So you need to take that into consideration as well. There's a lot of moving parts all over the place. And- much of it's going to be driven on, on on your income level today and in the future. Today and in the future. So if you if you're and that's why we look at people who've done a great job saving in their IRAs and they've got a couple million or more in their IRA, we start thinking about that requirement minimum distribution is going to suddenly kick. Suddenly, you're going to be paying a three point eight percent tax on your dividends that you haven't been paying before. Yes. Now. To counter that, Scott, there are plenty of infomercial television and radio programs out there that talk about using life insurance to avoid all this, to avoid the tax. Well, if you're never going to spend it, it may make sense. But it, life insurance typically isn't a great vehicle to accumulate money and distribute money in your lifetime, which is how they are touted. Because oftentimes the cost of the insurance is uh, much higher than the tax you would have had to pay otherwise. <laughs> That's right. right? Correct. So the theory sounds great. I mean, I listen to these and I understand the life insurance and I'm like, I get it in theory why you can say this and it sounds great. But you're ignoring a cost associated with either an index annuity, you're missing now, a there's, step up in basis. Look, when you when there's a need for life insurance, you better have life insurance. That's so, right. 
oftentimes term insurance would, if you, if you need permanent life insurance for a reason, then have permanent life insurance. But I think you're talking about when there's not really that need for that permanent life insurance and people using policies to try to, to save for retirement and then generate income in retirement from that. I'm just saying that because you could look at this and say, well, I heard this program on the radio where they talked about how rich people never pay taxes. Well, I'm telling you, that isn't altogether true. Yeah. But there's a lot of planning that needs to go about these things. Isn't that a fun topic to have in the middle of the summertime? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, it does make it all interesting. Yeah, and it will change. Do you think how much taxes have changed over the years? It's much, the tax structure today is much different than it was 10, 20 years ago, oh. 30 years ago. All these things like we're just talking about. There'll be new things that'll come up. Yeah. Hardly anything ever goes away. And we talk about also about having a diversified tax strategy in your retirement. What meaning by that? Like you hit retirement, let's say you have $3 million saved for retirement. Uh, family A has $3 million in an IRA and roughly nothing else saved. Someone else has. 1.5 million in an IRA, 700,000 in a Roth IRA, 800,000 in a brokerage account. That's Someone, easier. That's a great tax strategy actually. That's a year, yeah. Something like that. So much you'd be so much better off at retirement yes. having a diversified tax strategy. Particularly when it's things like you need to go buy a new car, you want to use some money for vacation, you got to buy a pool. You can you can dial in your marginal tax rate year to year. And look at things such as the net investment tax a little a little differently. Anyway, so, hey, we've got uh, Brian James is going to join us. Brian is a um, one of our advisors with Allworth, and he's also our regional director. Um, and we, we, we had a conversation with him about individual stocks and that sort of thing, and so we thought we'd have him on for a few minutes. So, Brian, thanks for taking some time today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So, um, and with stocks, and Pat had mentioned earlier about the client he had that was like to trade tech stocks and stuff. Yes. And he ended up. And they hired us, Allworth. The wife essentially hired us. And when she passed away, he went exactly back. And we to all know companies and that have gone out of business bankrupt, big name companies. But but more stocks have provided losses over the years than gains. Isn't that right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. So there, there's a lot of them out there. You know, there, there are tens of thousands of stocks out there and any one of them does anything at any given time. We tend to think of the stock market over the long haul as the best place to, uh, to, to have investments and to grow your money over time. And there's a whole lot of historical information that says that's the case. But that doesn't mean that every single stock has done the same thing. Right. So, so we're looking at this study. There's a, there's a professor named Hendrik Bessembinder, who is a uh, Arizona State uh, a school business professor, looked at basically 28,000 stocks that have traded uh, over time, going all the way back to 1926. And uh, believe it or not, the majority of those stocks actually work to make people poorer. That doesn't make any sense, right? We buy stocks because they because they go up, and if I buy a whole bunch of them, then I'll be okay. And if I diversify, I'll just own everything under the sun. Isn't that right? Well, no, that's not the case because the almost two thirds of stocks over time, going back to uh, 1926, have actually cost people money. That's kind of mind blowing to me. Um, so that's why, uh, right? So you think about this. And you use the word 28,000. So you think about the stock market as small cap, mid cap, and large cap. Small cap over time, historically, 
will provide you the the greatest rate of return historically yeah. if you, with the most volatility. 7.2% points above that of the rate of inflation historically based upon some yeah. data and some other data. But the volatility in it is unbelievable. And to your point, Brian, <laughs> you're – you're saying is that two thirds of companies would have lost you money. You wouldn't have earned that seven point. Well, this is easy. All you have to do is buy the third that made money. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> now remember, when you're talking about small cap, with that that two thirds figure off the twenty eight thousand stocks ever traded, that includes large, medium, and small. That's right. If we boil that down to just small cap, I can guarantee you it's a lot higher than two thirds of those small companies that literally went to zero and don't exist anymore. My guess, there's a reason. That's what makes them a small company. That's, they could go out of business. And because of recent phenomena like the uh, special uh, purpose acquisition companies, some of them came out as large cap and quickly became <laughs> small cap. That's that's the purpose of those special acquisitions. Let's acquire a bunch of stuff. Call it a call it an acronym, and it's a whole boatload of small companies that maybe weren't that great on their own. But if we mush them all together, we'll make one good one out of it. So that's Brian, you've been be. you've been an advisor a long time. We've been advisors a long time, right? And we've all had situations where someone comes in to see us. Maybe they've been referred to us or whatnot. Um, they're overly concentrated in one or two companies, right? And sometimes it's the yep. employer they work for over concentrate. And it's like, you don't understand Scott, this company. How, how do you, how do you get convinced those individuals why it makes sense for them to diversify out of that one company? Yeah. And that has everything to do with an understanding of market history. And, and it's, it's, it, that is a very, very, very common story. And if you've been advisor long enough, you can look at somebody's portfolio and tell them and, and, and figure out where they live geographically, because it just depends on, you know, a, a big companies you live nearby, you may wind up with a lot of exposure to. So it's just a yeah, matter you're in of Cincinnati. Sure people. So yeah. imagine you've got clients so from means, Procter and Gamble. That's exactly who I'm thinking. Majority of, of their and, savings and when, in Procter and Gamble fantastic company with a huge uh, long-term history of increasing the dividend and fantastic stock performance. That doesn't mean, though, that Procter & Gamble never does anything wrong. About once every seven or eight years, Procter & Gamble does something that the market hates. I go back to my the beginning of my career when they put in a CEO uh, named Dirk Yager, and the market instantly hated his ideas. And it, you can see this on a chart. The stock got cut in half within a matter of months. And this is P&G. But if you had a million bucks uh, in the spring, then by the summer, you had a half million dollars in it because the market didn't like what he did. Didn't mean they weren't selling uh, soap and all the same other products, but the market did not like what his plans were. That's the risk of any one individual stock. Now, at the same time, if you have a diversified portfolio, that means you've got other things in your portfolio that could be doing great things, right? At this time, you, you might be, maybe you were a buyer of Apple at the, at the early onset and you're making money hand over fist. So that's the whole reason to not have it all in one basket. And it, but it seems like even this year, Brian, that most of the gains in the broad stock market have come from a handful of names, handful of companies. That, but that's true all the time, right? When we talk about the broader market, we're usually reporting to the, re, re, referring to the S&P 500, the Standard & Poor's 500, which is nothing more than the 500 largest stocks in the United States. But what a lot of people don't know is that that index is what's called capitalization weighted. That means the bigger the company is, the more of the index it makes up. It is not That index itself is not equal weighted. So as you might suspect, companies that didn't exist 20 and 30 years ago, and I'm thinking, of all the technology companies, your Googles That's of the right. world, your Facebook, so on and so forth. They didn't exist. 
However, now they are by far the largest companies on the face of the earth. They have been driving the S&P 500 because of that capitalization-weighted approach. If you look at a capitalization-weighted uh, ETF, an SPY is a common one of the S&P 500, the performance is very different than an equal-weighted uh, S&P 500. There's one card yeah. that goes under the ticker symbol of RSP, and you can see a significant difference in performance between the two, even though they're the same 500 stocks. Well, Brian, hey, I appreciate you taking some time. Give us the re That's remind us all. It, yeah. Diversification, diversification, no, Edwin, diversification. It's not as sexy, though, is it? Is ha Boring. being able to have a name, <laughs> having a name that you can I, I, share at a cocktail party. I want to share it at a cocktail party. I want to say, hey, look at all this money I made. How old are you? Wait, wait, I'm going to stop drinking for a, a second. <laughs> how old are you guys? Do you ever get invited to someone say, hey, join me at my cocktail party? <laughs> no one has what a are you guys, party. Like, just not a madman? What, what, 1970? What, what? You go to a party. Can we not cocktail parties? Drinking hot cocktail hour and hot stock tips. You go to a conference and they have cocktail hour. You'll see listed on an agenda cocktail hour. Well, it all happens in internet forum rooms these oh, days. Yeah, right. yeah, right. All right. Yeah. Well, appreciate appreciate your appreciate time, the Brian. call, Brian. Thanks. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Let's uh, talk to Mike in Maryland. Mike, you're with Allworth Money Matters. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you. Um, so I'm, I'm 33. My wife is 33. We're here in Maryland. I work as federal law enforcement. She, um, does insurance for a hospital here. And I was just calling because we recently learned about investing and I want to get an idea of, um, where we're at. In okay. Opinion. Okay. All right. So we have two kids. Um, we own a house. It's about 310 left on it. It's worth 400. Um, my TSP, I have about 105 Roth. IRA, I have about 27000 My wife, she has a Roth of about 25000 Her 401k is about 6000 We have a brokerage account that's about 27000 And we have two 529s, one with 10 and one with 8. And then cash, we have about 15000 <laughs> Wait, wait. You, you want to change jobs to be a financial planner? I, wait, the, uh, you just said you just learned about investing. I don't believe. So, we're both looking. It's like, check, 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 yeah, check. All yeah. the things you should be doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. By the way, you're you're 33. Yeah, it's perfect. And two kids. Yes. You're a great yes, saver. Sir. What's your income for you and your uh, spouse? <laughs> so my income is 108, and my wife, she's about 45. You're an incredible saver. Okay, what's your question for us? What's what's their mortgage balance? It's, he said three ten, right? Okay. Yes, it's three ten. Thirty year fixed at a two point seven percent rate or something. It's a two and a half percent. Okay, of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. Yeah. Okay, so what's your question for us? Um, as far as allocations, everything we we're pretty much uh, eighty percent either total U.S. stock or S and P five hundred, and then international. Uh, and the yeah, other 20% no, is international, or the other 20% is what? The other 20% uh, is just international. Okay, so you, totally. brilliant, brilliant. Wouldn't touch that. I think it's a great strategy. Um, All right. Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> no, there's nothing. Here's the, the, the thing. If, how much life insurance do you have on yourself, and does your spouse have on? So we recently signed up for um, a 30-year term life insurance, and it's, uh, the one that I have is seven hundred fifty thousand, and the one that my wife has, I believe, is the same, same seven fifty. Besides what? work, we have with work also. So, 
I think when this call's over, you should just do the mic drop. Just drop the phone. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> like, I called this, did you tell your wife, I called this financial talk show and they offered they me know, a job. They didn't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, yep. Okay. What's a concern? What drove you to make this um, call? We, so prior, prior to COVID, we sat on cash. That's what we used to do, just save cash. We didn't really invest any money. And then as um, soon as COVID hit, uh, that's when we started really learning about it. So I kind of always feel behind, like I should have uh, been doing better or I'm not hitting the benchmarks I should be hitting for my age. Oh, what? my. Uh, it just, I, Mike? Yeah, and I just want to Most, most people your age have debt. Up the yin yang. You, you, you. I'm not kidding. Look, and one of the reasons you have this money is because you worry about it. You, you are, yes. and you're, do, you're doing everything right. Yeah, and I assume you're putting the maximum you can into both the uh, 401ks or your PSP and um, the uh, the Roth IRAs. Correct. We we max out the IRAs and the TSP, but not the 401k yet. It's fine. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop. I, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know what else to, to tell you. Okay, <laughs> I'm good. dead serious. <laughs> yeah, Nothing I'm eighty percent total market, twenty percent international. I think that's great. I mean, okay, five twenty nine plans, life insurance. Mm-hmm. Probably need some disability insurance, but you probably get that get through, through your work. employer. Yeah, disability. All right, you get it through work. Get it through I'll- work. Um, yep. And the, yeah. the 529s is um, those are the only two that that has no international. They're just S and P 500. I'd be okay with that. That's fine. I would too. All right. I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> All right. Phenomenal. Thank you. Yeah. No. No. You're phenomenal. This is you're 33. <laughs> you're 33. I can wait. Call call back when you're uh, 55. I'll they'll they'll all be all 80. Right. I'll be 82. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'll be like I'll be hanging over the microphone. Oh, do you remember when I called you 22 years ago? No, perfect, 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 yeah. perfect, perfect, yeah. Mike. And if you ever interested right. in career change, uh, we've got some great advisors. You might be able to join the club. Yeah. <laughs> Always encouraging. Young people really are really impressive financially. Really impressive. That's all the time we've had. Enjoy the rest of your week. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.